Welcome back to the State of Legacy. My name is Daniel Espinoza, and with me I've got... David Schakowsky. Sidney Hernandez. And today we have our first guest, Tony Murata. Welcome to the cast, Tony. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Um, so for, the, for those of you in the uh, greater United States, um, you obviously know about uh, Tony. He's a well-known Legacy player. So uh, he's been really tearing it up lately on the uh, Modem circuit with the challenges, some of the NRG series. So we felt it was fitting to have him on to kind of talk to him a little bit about uh, about his uh, his career as a Magic player. But before we get into that, what have you guys been up to? Uh, I'm playing a couple of leagues online here and there. Um, having some trouble with it. Not really catching as often as I wish. Wait, this is 2020. Why are you playing Ant? Uh, just... Uh, those are the cards that are available on my account, so you know. I'll play with that. Uh, currently, uh, it's not going too hot, but I'm having fun. So let me ask you, if you had the cards to build Tess, would you be playing Tess online right now? I don't know. I'd probably give it a spin and just kind of see how it plays. I know it has a really different play style that I'm not used to. Sure. So, yeah. Def definitely a different deck. Yeah. Yeah, as for me, I haven't played a lot of uh, Moto. Been working on... Uh, fixing up the house that I'm putting on the market, so that's been eating up all my time that would be going to Legacy Online gameplay, but I should sell soon. Yeah, and so Sydney's building a mansion. Building a mansion? He's going to be moving into a mansion, like early, I think early next year, right? Your new house? Yeah, the the build is eight months from when they start and break ground, so when you say mansion, it's only 4,500 square feet. That's gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, me and my parents are deciding to like uh, start a family, so we need the five bedrooms, four baths, three car garage. Just straight bragging now. Oh, no, that's awesome. You said mansion, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, are you looking? I know we played a little bit legacy earlier tonight. You played some rug delver. Um, you missing? You missing paper? Yeah, paper. Like when we got to play it in person, was just it's where magic's at. The online just it feels stale and. I know some. It, it is the methadone for the heroin addict for magic, <laughs> but it is nothing like when you play in paper because you get to play against your opponent, see their gameplay, try to see if they've got it or not, or like fake you have a counter spell. So I can't wait till we start opening up and playing some uh, in person magic. Hopefully, in the next few months, uh, we can start playing in the U.S. again. Open. I think Wizards has stated what in October. Through October, well, they keep extending it, so it's now extended through October. For sanction play cannot happen. Okay, so hopefully October, November, we'll still start being able to play some legacy in-person magic. Sure. What about you, Tony? What have you been up to? I've just been playing Moto all the time. See, <laughs> <laughs> he's like legacy stale. I fucking hate Moto. Tony's been playing Moto all day. I just need my mostly just because I need my magic fix. So I'm yeah. just sell for Moto. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, you got anything new going on in your life? Um, not too much. I know the season just restarted, so I've played a couple leagues. Uh, I've played some Snowco, but I think I'm ready to like set that down and kind of go back to my roots and play some Dark Depths and maybe some Omni Show. But uh, that's about it. I, I I'm kind of reinvigorated to play Magic. Like I'll go through these like ebbs and flows where like I don't want to play. Kind of like you were like it's like I don't want to play Moto. Yeah. Uh, but right now I'm in a kind of a position where like I'm enjoying it. Like I'm enjoying playing Legacy. Um, and I think it's just because like we have not been able to play in paper consistently for so long, you know. All it says yeah. to me is that you don't want to play control and you want to go back to those fast games. Yeah, well, that is another thing. Like the clock is very real when you play Snowco, and it is grindy as hell. I, I will say I do I do enjoy it. Like it's actually really fun playing Snowco because 
a lot of decisions you have to make. You know, it's a very interactive game, and then your deck is just so powerful. And like we were watching some replays earlier, like you just draw, you see so many cards. So Snoko is fun, but I feel like it's kind of starting to it's starting to get like hated out. Um, I would say, but that's about it for me. Um, yeah, enough talking about ourselves. We brought on a guest. Let's like hear more about Tony. Tony, yeah. And, so I've been playing like Moto a ton recently, and. Not trying to brag, but I've been doing pretty well. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about you know, like your history in Magic, how you got into the game, how you started playing Legacy, your deck choices, all that fun stuff. So basically I've just been uh, pretty much playing 12 posts exclusively in Legacy. I, I started playing that deck uh, about eight years ago, I guess, wow. now at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. The deck's changed a ton, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I first uh, won an SCG Open, the deck, back early, in early 2013. So I just committed to it from that point on. And, uh, yeah, just playing decks around Cloudpost. How did you end up picking up the deck? Like, what, like, what, like, drew you to it? Uh, so, so I had played, like, Standard Type 2, I guess was what it was called back in the day. Okay. And, uh, my favorite deck from that was, it's this deck called Tooth and Nail. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if you probably know what it is, it's uh, based around like the Tron lands. Okay. it's a, basically a big mana ramp deck. So you just are entwining to the nail. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So playing twelve posts, like twelve posts and Legacy at the time just kind of felt like it was like the deck that like two uh, nail was like trying to be essentially. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking at your SCG open and it's listed as show and tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you played four show and tells, and that was just to like poop out a big dude. It was to get prime time out, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Show and tell like used to be a huge part of the deck. It just like it was never a, a real like risk to play show and tell on that deck. <laughs> or you just slam a prime time. Well, especially if you look at the other uh, like top eight, you have Threshold, Canadian Threshold, Jund, which I haven't seen in a long time in Legacy, Stoneblade Reanimator, another. Gideon Threshold, Rest and Field, and then Dredge. So yeah, if you played Show and Tell into that, what are you going to get, Tarmogoyf or something? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> whatever you put in is going to be better than against than whatever like 95% of the field would put in. Well, you probably don't want to play against Reanimator, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure Reanimator back then was uh, a lot, oh wow. There was so this, this isn't even Reanimator, like, so looking at this Star City Games list from 2013, <laughs> Reanimator, we look at the creature, creature package, it's an Inkwell, an Iona, and four Hex Mage. So it's like Reanimator Dark Depths? Yeah, the four Depths, yeah. So they let Show and Tell, you put in a Dark Depths or Hex Mage. Was this before Grizzlebrand? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Oh, wow. wow. This was, wasn't so, it? This was a long time ago. At least it shows a legacy of you as a Magic player. Wow. Sure. So, and this is, and I noticed in your list back then, like, you didn't even have Forcibles in the sideboard, right? Because there was a time where you played four, a playset of Forcibles in the sideboard. Yeah, and this first open that I won was just, like, long before I actually, like, got familiar with the deck, really. Okay, and then you started to refine it over the years? Yeah, exactly. And I know you're not much of a net decker, because, like, in the time I've known you, you've always been, like, testing and tinkering with different builds and different, like, flavors of 12 posts, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just been a lot of... I'm kind of ever since like Top God Band a few years ago, I just kind of been soul searching, just trying just different variations of Cloud Post decks. I know David feels your pain. I do. <laughs> I really do. You know, the hop around from deck to deck, 
A little variations here and there. The goddamn blue players ruined it for you. They did. <laughs> you got punished yeah, for, uh, for <laughs> miracle sins. Yeah, it's cool. Miracle Well, posted doomsday. Innocent bystanders. For real. So what type of changes have like occurred over those eight years? Because this list looks completely different than what you're playing right now, I'm guessing. Yeah, so top was just like pretty much like the defining card of the deck in the time. Just being like colorless filtering. Uh, allowed the deck to just operate just much more smoothly, much more efficiently, and not like didn't need too many colored sources as it was. I think I always just ran like ten uh, color producing lands at the time, and that was funny just because top would help you uh, function. Yeah, you'd always be able to find whatever you were looking for with it. Yeah, I remember those days. And but, then yeah, uh, how did you solve that? Uh, so actually, it never really got solved. <laughs> yeah, like every list I'd play after top would, uh, it would struggle with its mana base, and uh, I was just like never happy with the mana base. Uh, it would either go like really heavy on colors, more like a traditional deck with like lots of dual lands and fetches. Uh, I was playing like a bug list a couple years ago. I remember that. Yeah. You have the fun with that abrupt decay. Yeah, I mean abrupt decay was great, but you just like didn't have many like as many. Cloudpost, Locust Lands, as I was used to. So you weren't able to really capitalize on the ramping ability. Sure. Yeah, and if anybody's been a local Arizona player, you've seen Tony around the local scene. I remember playing against you, and you played like Candelabra. Yeah. And I think it was like the first time I've ever actually seen one. And I didn't know what you were doing <laughs> with that thing. It, it can't be good. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be good. <laughs> I mean, there used to be a high tide deck, I guess, that played that card too. But yeah. Now there's, I think... I don't even know if High Tide, if that deck is even played at all anymore. Oh, I haven't seen it around in quite a minute. Though, I would guess, like, Echo Aeons would kind of bring it, breathe new life into like it. Like Time Spiral 5 through 8 or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I've seen, yeah, and like a lot of us in Arizona have, like, seen the different iterations of your your builds, right? We've seen you on the, the bog list, the... Simic, the Simic builds that you were playing, I think a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, and now you're on a straight mono green list. Yeah, and so let's talk about this list a little bit. Wait, so yeah. hold on, so what is this list from? This is from last week's challenge. Yeah, where you uh, five owed. No, he top three. Oh, he top made, three. He made oh. top four, right? Yeah, this legacy challenge a week ago, I made the top four, and this is like the list I've just kind of been refining the last few months, actually. Oh, this list. I guess I should say uh, there's two like really important recent cards in the deck. That's like Once Upon a Time and Elvish Reclaimer. Those are like the new additions to the deck. And uh, I guess I'll start with Once Upon a Time. Like that card just completely changed the deck for me. Okay. Did it smooth out like the mana a bit? Yeah. Just uh, the first card copy being free just enables you. I see it as like a color source more than anything. Sure. So you use that to find uh, your green source, your forest. And it basically essentially lets you uh, build the deck with a minimum number of like, green sources. Like, I'm only running eight uh, forests in the list, or I guess one fetch land and seven forests, which is uh, about like the range of the number of uh, green sources you want in that kind of deck. Like, you don't want too many. Okay. But uh, yeah, once upon a time basically enables you to have like just enough forests. So let me ask you about that real quick before we move on. So Once Upon a Time is the new hotness for you. I know you've played Ancient Stirrings in the past. 
So is it the instant speed, the free first copy? Like, what is it that makes this better than Ancient Strings? Because doesn't Ancient Strings dig... They dig the same, right? Five cards? Yeah. It's the free cost of Once Upon a Time. Sure. Let's you just start with uh, not having the green source initially okay. from the start. Because the Ancient Stirrings, although it was a good card, you would just need that first forest to be able to cast it in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Just Once Upon a Time, just doing the job on its own just makes it so much better for at least like getting the ball rolling, like starting and finding that initial forest. Yeah, because I used to play like Modern Tron and getting that green source, you didn't want it in your opening hand. You wanted like a star, some or a sphere, to be able to like filter that. That Tron land into a sphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like to be able to get a free like spell to find that green source is just like money. Exactly. Like the card is not conditional. Essentially, sure. Just does the job on its own. So do you think Once Upon a Time is here to stay in this deck? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it completely revitalized the deck for me. Just solving that mana base issue, just. Like, I can't say enough about that card. And, and honestly, I think the card, like, people are starting to pick up very, uh, on it in Legacy in general. Like, you see it in Elves now, you see it in Eldrazi. Yeah. I think it's in... Is it... Correctly, I might be wrong, but uh, isn't it even played sometimes in, like, Hogak decks? Yeah, yeah. I think, like, Depths, too. D- yeah, Depths plays it, some builds of Depths. But, yeah, like, so the deck, the card is really starting to see a lot of play. And I feel like it would be a powerhouse in modern had it not gotten banned. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, and it goes to show, right? Like it is legacy playable, and it's seen played across multiple decks. So yeah. it just goes to show you that the the power of free spells, like who would have guessed, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the fact that it's banned in modern is like a sign that it's probably worth testing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fit for legacy. So another like fixing card that you've included or already included in this list is the four reclaimers, huh? Yeah, and that's the next first, uh, recent card that I want to talk about. Just also just improve the deck completely. Uh, just Reclaimer. I was like skeptical about the card at first, just being a creature that you would like need to keep in play. But uh, I guess I was just being pessimistic about the card because <laughs> after playing it for a while now, I was just like so wrong. It's insane. Yeah, like <laughs> the plus side is that if they don't answer it, the card just like pretty much wins the game on its own. It's a one mana cloud post factory. Like you don't even need to draw into your cloud post like you used to. You just draw any land and like reclaimer will convert it to a cloud post. It will reclaim the land into something you want. Yeah. (laughs) And like it even hedges against the card you hate to see wasteland, right? Like reclaimer's great. Like it totally powers down wasteland because if they're gonna wasteland something or if there's a must must answer land that they're gonna try to wasteland, like you just reclaim it away. Yeah, yeah. Any, in any spot where like prop rotation would be good, like Reclaimer is also good in that kind of spot. Yeah. I had one quick question, David. Do you remember what uh, Allosaurus Shepherd does? It's the one of fun up in this list. Yes. <laughs> All right. David, who has only cast one green creature in his life, which is Zanted Swarm. Well, we talked about this like last week, or the last. Yeah, week we definitely did talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> None uh, this family of cards. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> It was a good card, though. It's the it's the one green. It's the one. It's the jumpstart card that's impossible to find. You can't counter it. <laughs> no, you cannot. And then when it's in play, your green spells are uncounterable. Yes. And then you can pay like six and turn two green and four colors and turn all your elves into five five dinosaurs until end of turn. All your elves or all your clans? Uh, oh, elves. All your oh, elves. Each oh. elf creature you control becomes a. 
has base power of five five. Well, or becomes a dinosaur. I don't. I don't think it's like going to be that impactful in your. Not for him. No, <laughs> but it's like uncounterable that we're going to be like it. So yeah, like, you can make those reclaimers. Plus, <laughs> plus, yeah, right. Yeah, plus, here's the deal. Like, so Tony could jam this through a chalice on one. Yeah. And then unlock his all his crop rotations. Yeah. Yeah, not just even like blue spells. It's just your green spells just can't be countered. So how impactful has this one of card been in, in your list? Is it going to be going to two, or is it going to go to zero, or...? I like one, I think, is for the quantity I wanted. I just like it as a green sun uh, target. Yeah. Just having it to, like, force through, like, some crop rotations that have been sitting around in hand uh, is just probably, like, the best use of the card. I can see that. Have you won with turning reclaimers into dinosaurs yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. You need to start that day. You got Maybe Monday. <laughs> but yeah, I love the card so far. The more I like test it out, just enabling these like uncounterable like big plays. Basically, it's like a preemptive veil of summer. Oh yeah, that yeah. can 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 turn sideways in some instances. I see that in your sideboard you're doing the trend where everybody's going to Carpet of Flowers to hit out that rug deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's never for rugged over, like, above all else. But, I mean... It's yeah. so good. Yeah. They have three islands, you get a Black Lotus every turn, and this one's pretty good. <laughs> I hate... Um, yeah, no, you and I did a stream a couple weeks ago, and, like, Carpet of Flowers was just, like, all-star against all of the blue decks. Yeah, I, I, I think you were casting like Primeval Titans off carpet mana and <laughs> leaving all your lands up, you know? like Yeah, and in this deck in particular, like the carpet's there, like mostly when you're facing uh, a bunch of creature removal, so that you're able to just bypass uh, having to use Reclaimer, like against Delver. Sure. With so many bolts, you just want to try and skip that phase of the game, just go straight to primetime mana, and carpet's just amazing at doing that. Yeah, as a, a blue-red Delver player, whenever I see prime time and I have no way to counter it, it is like a bad day. You love carpet, because I think you probably see that more than uh, prime yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, carpet like is, is bad if you're not able to counter it. You just hope that you're, like at least with this aggro deck, blue-red aggro deck, you're able to maybe race it, but often not, you're not. Yeah, carpet just turns off all of the soft permission, mm -hmm. and then just accelerates, like, I mean, shit. Like, all the shenanigans, their deck is like, optimized for all that free mana. Pretty much uh, like the anti-Delver card, just giving you mana against... So mana guys, it makes Wasteland bad. Quit buying carpets and uh, maybe... <laughs> How does this say? $56 for four of them? I think that's, oh, that's paper, yeah. So they've gone up a lot, but yeah. The Carpet Flowers is a great card. But what's online price, guys? Because that's what everybody's buying. But we have a, no, It's right here. Uh, online, let's see, Carpet of Flowers. 162 <laughs> ticks for a playset. More expensive. So they're 40 bucks a piece. Um, so, Tony, congratulations on the top four finish. Thank you. Uh, do you want to kind of, I mean, if, if you, I mean, I know it was a week ago, but do you mind walking us through this tournament a little bit? Like, what are some of the interesting matchups you played? Any fun interactions you'd like to share with us? How did top eight go down? Uh, it's kind of hard to remember at this point, but. Was this like the 4 a.m. tournament? Yeah, oh it's, it's just such a better EV, like, there's usually, like, less than 60 people, so you just have to, like, be in the top half of, like, everyone to at least get your money back. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I recommend, uh, if anybody's able to wake up that early. So it's 4 a.m. on Saturday morning? Yeah. In Arizona time. I think it's mainly, uh, they have that for mostly for European players. Okay. But, I mean, we're living in the digital world, just... Yeah. 
if you're up whenever, just, you know, play it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember I got knocked out by Rug Delver in the top four. Surprise. Oh, man. Yeah, the carpet just didn't pull through there. What'd you beat in top eight? Uh, it was a Hogak deck. Okay, so you yeah. took out one of the Hogak players. Yeah, it looks like this top eight. So, Dark Depths won the tournament. Uh, I'm assuming you're, yeah, you're rubbed over opponent, second place. Yeah. You in third, ninjas in fourth, another rubbed over deck in fifth, Hogak taking down sixth and seventh, and then Omnitel in eighth place. <laughs> Hogak's like a really popular deck online, like, I don't know if you guys have noticed that. It's really good against rubbed over. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, this top eight is kind of wild, man, like. And it doesn't look... I mean, I don't know. What's your Hogak matchup look like? Because I know your Omnitel matchup's not the greatest. Uh, it's really good for me. Hogak? Like, yeah. You just get to Reclaim Route, and then you're able to find a Glacial Chasm. Or get Bog if you need it. Yeah, exactly. And they also can't really to death, because they'll draw some Oh, wow. So Alter is like... You don't even care about Alter. No, no. Do other decks have to worry about that? Because, like... I only play this 12 post decks, so like, yeah. I don't see the perspective of other ones, but I imagine like being able to build opponents, like... It's, it's a fear. It's, it's very fear. real, because yeah. like, you can like turn to Hogak, Alter, um, <laughs> or yeah, can't, I don't know if you can't do that, but like turn 3, you can you can kill them, right? I think yeah. with Hogak, maybe turn 2, you probably can't, I don't play the deck too much, but yeah, like with Alter, you can mill people to death very quickly. Yeah. So not being able to be milled to death is a pretty nice luxury, just running an Eldrazi to shuffle your graveyard back. Hell yeah. Um, anything else noteworthy about this tournament that you'd like to share? Or I, I know it was very early in the morning, so you're probably pretty tired. But <laughs> well, also like Modo, I don't know about you guys, but like Magic Online, just the games aren't as memorable to me as like playing in person. <laughs> like I can remember like things like to the dot, like playing paper. Yeah. The Modo's just like all right, I'm just staring at the screen. I don't know. I've had some pretty crazy like plays and interactions on Modo that like have been memorable to me like I feel like a while ago in like a clout event you and I had one weird ass event where like I got lucky in top deck veil or like oh he veiled so like I was playing David because you guys can't see us so I want to say you and I so I think I, I think you remember this David you and I are playing you're on Tess and I'm on some blue deck maybe Omni but he casts Veil and then he goes off and I had Mind Break Trap yeah <laughs> I remember that which is the one counter spell that gets around Veil because yeah, it doesn't count brutal. in Exiles. Brutal. But I, I can see what you mean, but I, I've had a couple of uh, tournaments where like it's memorable like memorable plays, but it, otherwise it's just like pixels on a computer screen, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. I'm sure there I think there were like just multiple like Oko control decks, which is a good matchup for twelve foes. Yeah, snow is like a really good matchup for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Just any fair blue control deck. Would you say rug is like a fifty fifty or yeah, I mean, I've like, definitely lost through it a lot pretty frequently. Sure. But for the most part, it's a pretty even matchup. Okay. Yeah. So, I, mean, uh, I respect the fact that, like, I don't see any other Cloud Pose variant at all in the top. <laughs> 26, we scroll down, 32. I don't even know. Of the top 32, there is not. Or even maybe 100. <laughs> like, maybe you are the one guy. It's so the master of this. this well, deck. I mean, if you look at Legacy, it's uh, so lonely at the top, <laughs> right? Cloudpost Cloud is a two percent share of the meta, so like it's a very underrepresented deck. How many times is Tony's name listed in that two percent? It's like all him. It's all, it's all Tony. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Tony does have a lot of solid finishes. Like 
I know you've been playing the deck for a long time. You've been doing very well recently. Do you think 12 Pulse is, like, a very well-positioned deck right I, now? Yeah, I think so. I think, like, the deck is, like, honestly just... It's just as good as any, like, other non-blue deck in Legacy. It's just if you know how to play it correctly. Just your game plan of winning through your lands is, like, very underrated. Sure. Well, so let me ask you this. I know, uh, like, the, the litmus test of being a good Legacy deck right now is... How is it line up against Oko, and how does it line up against Uro? Like, how oh. are those cards? Are those very problematic against you, or... Uro you don't care about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> and then Oko, it's just, uh... If you already have, like, a game plan, like, established, like, if you're on your way, at least, then you don't really have to care about it. Sure. It's kind of cool. You play three or four meat needles now, main board? Yeah, I, I got the full uh, four now. So you do have the main board answer to Oko's. Yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor was the same way for this deck. Like, most decks would figure a Jace, but if your plan was already established, you can kind of just ignore it, and it just doesn't matter, really. You'll just go over the top of it. Oko is very similar in that sense. Sure. Um, okay, so obviously Wasteland is, like, a problematic card. Are there any new cards that have been put in the last few years that, like, you, you hate to see? Uh... Oko alongside Wasteland. Like those two can together is like a problem. Okay, Oko with Wasteland, okay. Because that way, like, like generally you want to just like have your needles and just not have to think about it, just always name Wasteland. Yeah. If you also have to worry about Oko at the same time, then you're like, always have this dilemma about which of those two cards you want to name. And that makes sense. That's why the snow decks are better for you, because they don't play Wasteland. Yeah, you just whereas, name, like, Oko automatically against them. Whereas Rugdolver plays Wasteland and Oko. So there's no fear against, like, Blood Moon or Back to Basics? I mean, you see those cards every once in a while, but they just don't seem as threatening as they used to. Hmm. I mean, like, my list is running, like, seven basic forests. And <laughs> carpets. And carpets. <laughs> and Force of Vigor, which I've been running a full set of. Just doesn't require mana at all, so... Yeah, that's a great card. Yeah, you play answers. four Force of Vigor. You just keep jamming, like, key spells, and eventually one's going to get through. And they're impactful big spells, so yeah. Okay, so looking at your sideboard, yeah, it's four carpets, four force, two surgical, two mind break. A Ballista, a Tabernacle, and Mikokoro, Center of the Sea. Yeah. Is this, like, a pretty established, or do you think there's, like, some spots that could be cut here? Uh, yeah, Mikokoro could probably be something different, but I just personally, like, don't being, like being completely cold against Stasis Oracle. Okay. So I just do that for, like, my own personal sanity. And you've gotten a couple wins with it, right? Yeah, I just beat a, uh, one of the uh, Oops All Spells decks that just recently showed up today. So yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Mikokoro is a legendary land. Yeah. And you can what pay two, tap it. And each player draws a card. So with Thassa's Oracle like on the stack, <laughs> you make them draw a card with no cards and they die. Crop rotate to it, right? Like, yeah. So they think the coast is clear, they got their cavernous souls, they're <laughs> casting their dude, and then you just kill them. Yep, yep. A land just kills them when they would like thought they were gonna win the game. So yeah. Uh, That's the theory of the card. And then Ballista Sideboard, what is that typically brought in for? Just uh, anything going like with uh, going wide with smaller creatures. Okay. It's kind of like the honorary like fourth big colorless creature that I wouldn't be running main deck, but I just couldn't figure out what else to cut main, so... Cool. Yeah. It's nice having like a giant fireball spell for like a deck with a ton of colorless mana. Like no, I wouldn't no. want to run like not... You know, without walking ballista for sure. that reason. 
Um, so did you play in the four o'clock? Was there a four, four a.m. tournament this morning? Yeah, yeah. Did you play in it? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and here you are with us at five p.m. <laughs> and so today I started O two, and then I clawed back and went four two. Ended up like thirteenth place. Wow. How many players? Uh, only fifty two. So like I'm saying, like so <laughs> so you like definitely got some some positive value out of that, right? Yeah, I got my money back. Plus you get like I was in the top 16, so I think it was like 10 treasure chests, okay. like $20. Not bad. It's easy money if you want to wake up at 3 a.m. Oh, God. So what did you play today? I see it. Round one, I lost to Rug Delver, and then round two, I lost to Omnitel. Two, two rough matchups. Yeah. Just, especially Omnitel. This yeah. is one of the worst. And then there's definitely two Oko control decks in the ones I won. So those are like very easy buys, pretty much. And then, I think there was a Hogek deck, and, uh, yeah, the uh, Oops All Spells deck, too. Oh, you played the Oops All Spells. Which I did kill with the Nikokura. <laughs> oh, you did it today! Yeah, they're forced to, like, overturn their entire deck, so Center of the Sea is just going to kill them if you can get it off. So <laughs> did you get them by proper trade for it, or was it already in play? I was actually already in play. Oh, wow. But if you just take a look at their list, like, they have no way to win without overturning their entire deck. Unless they're going to try and win with Narco Amoebas, like, the, the cast. Yeah. Which, if they want to go that route, good luck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Nakamibis. they didn't know what Mikokoro did? Or something? No, I don't know. That's yeah, weird. I would not know what that card did. I'd have to have to read it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see a weird-ass card that I don't see that often, I'm always a little suspect. I'm like, okay, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, you got to read it three times just to be sure. Yeah, like, how are they going to abuse this? <laughs> yeah, why is it included in a 75? Awesome. Usually, like, unknown cards all like... And you're probably like this too, that you like think like, okay, does it really like affect my strategy? And if it doesn't, like, yeah. you don't think it does, you kind of just forget about it. <laughs> sure. Exactly. <laughs> and then so you're playing the challenge tomorrow too, right? Yeah, if I can wake up for it. <laughs> I mean, wake, if you woke up for 4 a.m. Yeah, I'm going to just stay up uh, all night after getting off with work, the evening after on Friday. But I mean, like, I was going to play in the NRG thing last Sunday, and I just like slept through Not that. So, yeah. And speaking of those, you top aided the last two. You top aided two of the last three, right? Uh, just one of them actually. I thought you top aided two. No, you totally top top, top thirty two. Two of them. They have lower standards. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so you got you got top eight, and then the next one you did not. Uh, no, it's oh, it has you on there twice. <laughs> they just put it no, twice. Model right. green ramp and twelve plus. So you top aided it with two different decks <laughs> on the same day. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I lost the top eight to Goblins that tournament. Ooh. This Goblins is just nasty. Oh, yeah, he was the undefeated Goblins player. They just fucking crushed. Yeah. I'm sure Hadley and Dan Ford are pretty happy, because I feel like that deck is, like, the one deck that's been getting better cards than 12 posts, even. Yeah. yeah well, Muxus. Jeez. A combined pile driver plus a ringleader, basically. That's insane. Yeah. Um, so... Anything else you'd like to share? I mean, you know, any advice you'd give to, like, a new 12-post player or someone looking to play the deck? Uh, yeah, just try it out for yourself. Like, I think people just, like, write it off as, like, a meme deck or, like, a joke, and it's not. Like, it's just, like, it bothers me that if people think that, like, decks like Dredge or, like, 
Elves are good decks. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't think 12 of those is good. Like, they want to play uh, Ulamog or uh, Why would you yeah. want to cast Ulamog, right? Come on. I mean, that's the truth. Like, you play, like, four lands and win the game. Like, that sounds pretty crazy to me. And that's exactly what 12 of those does. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, so, real quick before we move on, uh, what are your best matchups and what are your worst matchups? And I think you've already touched on some of them, but let's just get a quick recap. Best matchups are uh, blue control decks. So if you have like a lot of Oko control and you're like meta, it's a good choice. And just fair decks in general, you can compete with at least. Sure. The worst matchups are definitely combo decks. It's fast, fast, fast combo decks, right? Yeah, or specifically ones that like you can't interact with, which are ones that are like not winning with uh, creatures on the battlefield or graveyard sometimes because you have bog effects, right? Yeah, mm. just like the spell-based combo decks, Doomsday, on Ant, Tess. Those are the most difficult ones. Okay, because usually your deck takes like what two or three turns to set up. Yeah, exactly. And you're mono green, so hey, you're not you don't have much in the way of like mono green as much. You yeah. might destroy some enchantments, but yeah. that's about it. It comes with the cost, the yeah. strategy. So yeah, cool. so if any, anybody's interested in the deck, I think you stream regularly. Yeah, I started streaming uh, on the weekends. You check me out at uh, my Twitch channel is into play with an underscore between the two words. You, know, you can also check out my YouTube channel. It's live now to see uh, some archive data. That's sweet. Yeah. And then I think Monday, Tony and I are going to do a co-stream where I'm going to hang out and offer my poor advice uh, while he takes the deck to like a 5-0 finish. So, so you're going to school on Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be learning. But come watch because it's a lot of fun. Just yeah, it's fun. Uh, so and one last thing before we move on. like When Tony and I did the last co-stream... Our last matchup was like the perfect final matchup, right? <laughs> we played against Omni Show, and we were worried it was Rug Dumber the whole time because we played Rug Dumber twice in a row, <laughs> and then boom, it's Omni Show, and I think you, I think you won in two or three games, maybe three games. And I, I think it was just two. Like two of them, right? <laughs> yeah. So in the second, it was. So in the second game, this deck is so resilient that he won through an Emrakul hit and two Grizzlebrand hits. <laughs> Not, damage. Yeah, not, not many decks can say that no. they can win through a hit from Emrakul and two Grizzlebrands, because that's what? That is... It's 20, yeah, it's 29 damage. Yeah. So. And we kept the six permanents, and we're able to win from there. Yeah. <laughs> and I later triggered, so like he cut all of his lands, <laughs> and he kept Primeval Titan and Eldritch Claim on the battlefield. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And then cracked back, got some Clob, Glimmer, uh, Glimmer Post to gain life. And that's the kind of crazy stuff you can expect with that deck. So yeah, definitely tune into the stream to <laughs> see it. Uh, see I all the fun see. stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes me interested in wanting to play this deck, leave it up. So <laughs> there was a time a few years ago where like Tony was on like a fucking major tear with the deck, and I was like, I wanna build this. So I did. And I, I, I don't know, like, I was not, like, I just felt like I was playing a bad show until then. <laughs> For sure. Like, because this is back when it was, like, the Primeval Titan, the blue-green deck. And, like, I would be, like, show and tell an Emrakul past the turn. Like, like, this is so weird. It's, like, I'm not having these crazy plays like Tony does when, like, I'd watch him, which inspired me to buy it. And I was, like, this is, like, a clunky, bad show and tell deck, so. But, I mean, you're just, like, as a show and tell deck, you're in a bad show and tell deck. Yeah, yeah. That's not the strategy, though. <laughs> yeah. That was plan B. Yeah, it's always plan B. <laughs> and if plan B in your deck's show and tell, your deck's probably pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. Um, so moving on, we're going to talk. So Zendikar came out this week. Yeah. Uh, it's available online. And David is very excited to tell us about the new cards that are seeing play 
from Zendikar. Da- uh, if you guys don't know, David is an avid. Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. David's uh, an avid legacy player. That's about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, David, what cards have we started to see it popping up? Uh, I uh, we've started to see those spell cards that you can also play as land cards. I believe you pay like three land and get three life. And it can come into play untapped, or it comes in and play tapped, and it produces whatever color source that spell is. Yeah, I think there's a mythic cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the main allure is uh, they're still in like spell form until they go onto the battlefield. That's where you choose whether or not they go to land or spell. So you can like thought seize it away, or like a Belcher deck. Can now kind of run some be- uh, basic lands without worrying about Belcher uh, triggering off. Sure. So yeah, like, I think Belcher and Oops All spells are kind of starting to see a resurgence with these cards because, like, like you said, in the deck and in your hand, they are not lands. Exactly. Since these are flip cards, kind of like the Elbrose Secrets, do they have like a checklist card? They do. They do. Uh-huh. They do. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, I should have grabbed it. Um, so I did a little draft last night, and like every pack has like a little checklist card where like the back is a magic card, and then the front is like this weird blank box thing that's like for your land. Nice. <laughs> so I'm wondering cool. that. I don't. Yeah. Do so, you like write in the card, or is it still a checklist type form? You write it in. It's interesting. interesting. I'll, I'll show you guys after the cast. But yeah, it's it almost reminds me of like those old school cards that they had in the world the world championship decks that were like blanks. Yeah. <laughs> you could like fill out make a proxy. They kinda look like that. Okay, interesting. Do they well, have foil checklist cards? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we need to go to foil checklist foil cards. Foil checklist. Oh my god. So then which card specifically has been seeing play online? So in the at least I, I know Tony and I have played against uh the, the Oops All Spells deck. Um, and it's the black and green spell mythic cycle that is seeing the play. So it is. Uh, what are the names of them, t- uh, David? <laughs> Turn to verse symbiosis. Yeah, <laughs> something something symbiosis. Turn timber. Turn timber. Yeah. Symbiosis. Tony had it right. Shatter skull smashing. I've seen that red one in. Uh, the uh, Belcher. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. Because they need access to it. And then Agadam's Awakening. And then All right. It's Seagate Restoration. Oh, yeah. That, that one's seen play, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't we talk about that a little earlier? That, like... We did when we did our little spoiler where we speculated on what cards we thought yeah, we Yeah. I still think it's, like, a card that you played too late in the combo. You're right. So, but, like, I think we, we were talking specifically about Seagate Restoration. Yeah. Because, like, there was talks about it being played in Omni Show, and it's. I've seen people play it in Omni Show, and it's very underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, if you do it after a Gristle Brand, though. Yeah, I mean, if you do it after a Gristle Brand, but I think you're already winning. If you have Omniscience in play, and you have Gristle Brand, and then, the, like, it's yeah, just win more. Yeah, you win more. It's like, that really better than, like, Enter the Infinite just for being, like, a yeah. guy. No, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> it is, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, so the Oops All Spells decks are playing the black and green ones because they give them access to lands. Obviously, their life total really doesn't matter if they're going to kill you turn one, turn two. Yeah. So paying the three for it to come into play on top is not a big deal. Um, and then also, I, I mean, at least with the black one, I can see how there is some merit to it because when I played the, the Oops All Spells deck, uh, they were playing a lot of ritual effects. So technically, mm. you could use this to bring back some of the creatures that you mill over. True. Yeah, I think you can bring back some things. 
Um, and then I think that the green one, like if you stack your deck right, like you can put a creature into play, right? Yeah, under the battlefield. It's like they, yeah, right? they, they have pretty decent merits, but yeah, I see them mainly used for like their land but non-land abilities. Yeah, yeah. The uniqueness, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is interesting that this cycle is kind of. I think the most, the most, the card we've seen the most so far. Granted, we're just a few days in and people are experimenting, but. I love the concept of spells on lands. Yeah. Because it fixes mana flood, mana screw. Uh, have you guys seen anything else crop up lately from the new set? Uh, I think it's just these lands, right? Yeah, just them here and there. I mean, I feel like these lands are going to be impactful in, like, standard and draft. It, like, fixes major uh, major problems in magic, which is the field bads, which is mana flood, mana screw. Yeah. 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 Um, the one card that I also saw a lot of hype around was the Skyclave Apparition for like Death and Taxes decks because it's like a pretty clean answer against stuff like Oko or Uro or just straight exiles them True. and then once the Apparition leaves they'll get like a token right like a little creature token which is like a vanilla creature is not something that DT really has to worry about so. no they'll be able to take care of that it's pretty good for a creature to have Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good, right? Uh, it kills Jace, right? It's four or less. Yeah, so it'll kill Jace, kill Oko. So, I don't know. We'll see how that shapes out. But, you know, it's, it's been interesting to see these first few days of Legacy with Zendikar having the, the the Mythic Land Cycle being, like, the most played card in Legacy. Yeah. Isn't that, like, the theme of the Zendikar play in, like, in past sets, too? Like, about lands? It's always about lands. Like, like yeah. land falls big. Yeah, that But this is the first set without Eldrazi, which is kind of weird. Oh, wow. <laughs> But they do that. No Tron love. No Tron love at all. Oh, <laughs> Crazy. Uh, do you guys... I, 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 Tony and I have played against it. I don't think the Doom's Love Spell stack is very good. No, I'm not convinced. <laughs> I mean, it'll get those lucky wins or turn one kills from time to time, but I think it's very easy to combat. So People like to hype up the new stuff when it's new. <laughs> so yeah. I had a question. Like, So then how would you combat this deck for anybody who's like... <clears throat> going into a challenge or a league and they're playing against his opponent, like what are your tips to try to beat this deck? Oops, all spells or Belker. So first off, I, th I think we should clarify like, how does this deck win, right? Yeah. So the iteration I played against was they're trying to flip their deck with Dalsher Spire or Under City Informant and then Dread Return Thassa's Oracle with no cards in deck and win. Okay. Is that kind of the build you played? Yeah, that's one I saw too. Cool. So, so yeah, just like Graveyard Hate would probably uh, do it... Just being a blue deck at Force of Will. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think they can be over Layla in the Void. Yeah, I mean, but like I saw the list because you had shown us previously some matches that you played, and there was a uh, a list that had four packs of negations. So trying to counter their Thassa's Oracle might not resolve. Sure. Well, so the yeah the pack of negations helps them push the combo through because they don't they're not gonna they're not gonna see another turn. They're, they're all, in, them. all in on that turn. So I think Layla in the Void is a great card because it just enters. Um, Containment Priest is good. Okay, I, I remember you showed us a game playing Containment Priest. Yeah, Containment like, Priest is really good. It was an auto-concede. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they're relying on Narco Amoebas, so when they flip their deck, the four Narco Amoebas go into play. So, Plague Engineer. Okay, it's another. That's a good one, yeah. On what, Illusion? I think Narco Amoebas is an Illusion. Yeah. But, I mean, like, with Tony's deck, he's playing Mono Green Tron. How, well, how would you... Mono Green Tron? Don't insult the guy. <laughs> no, no, it's like, or Tron, or, or sorry, Post. Cloud Post, Cloud Post, Mono Green... I, I'm, as a Tron player in, in, in Modern, that's what I equate it to. Oh, like, 
So like one of the ways I beat it, the games I played against it was Makoker, uh, of course. Uh, was one the, of one of the sideboard. Yeah, that was the first Makoker <laughs> casualty because they went for it, and then I made him draw in response to the, the Narcomuse coming in. But also like uh, the Narcomuse are a trigger when they hit the graveyard, so you can respond mm-hmm. with like a graveyard hate piece. Like so I was like, able to search up a Jukabot in my deck. Okay, also, so, so then when the then Mebas hit the, the graveyard, they go on the stack. stack. You yeah. have to like get rid of the yard. Exactly. So you need some instant speed removal of the yard. Proportation, Elvis Reclaimer. I, I'm just trying to think of it as a blue red double player. Like I have surgical extraction, so extract Mebas. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can extract them. You could also extract the uh, the oracles too. And I don't think they can do anything from there. Yeah. Okay, so if they because they're playing a full play set, you think? No, I think it's one oracle, one oracle. So like, I mean, a red double, I think is probably pretty good because you have a lot of counter magic. Yeah. Daze is always pretty good. You got force, spell pierce, like all that. You know, it's you're a, in a pretty good spot. It's a typical like glass cannon deck, like. So then, David, how would you combat it against your? Since there's so glass cannon, you just duress or thought seize them, and you take the one piece that yeah. clicks it all together. What's the one piece? Well, I think they it's... have only one way to start mana. They only have one way to produce more mana. They only have one like payoff spell. Yeah. It's only seven cards. They don't have two of everything. So yeah. you just look what pieces they're short on, pick that, and okay. sure. I'm just speaking because as a, a newer legacy player... He's been playing for a long time. I've been playing <laughs> since Mass Block, but like I stopped for like 10 years, sure. guys. So like, yeah, I went back into Theros. So you guys are a little more experienced with Block 2, whatever, when it was Block 2. And I, type 2? Type 2, sorry. Type 2. Get her right. Oh, he's a scrub. Get out of here. <laughs> So it's more of just like, all right, give me some tips so I can learn how to beat this glass cannon so I don't get, I don't give them the free wins. Yeah. And like to David's point, like this is one of those decks where like their opening hand is the most important cards of, for yeah. the match, right? Because if you dress them and take a key card, they're digging <laughs> off the top. They're tripping. Yeah. They're, they're just <laughs> drawing until they find a replacement for what you took. Okay. They only have four pack negations. Like they're not always going to have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Two pieces that you can throw at their spokes, they're probably derailed. <laughs> One, you most likely have the game. I just imagine a guy yeah. on a bicycle, you just remove two spokes and they just go ahead. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Exactly <laughs> that. David's duress is the, <laughs> the safety <laughs> getting thrown into the spokes. Yeah, that's like a full on log getting shot in the bushes. He's just like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think it is very dependent on like what the texture of their hand. Like, do they have. Redundancy in their fast mana, but then the tutor, or do you take the creature, right? Like, exactly. But yeah, hand disruption is, I think, great against a deck like this. Yeah. Um, a lot of combo decks in Legacy 2, they have like a very specific pressure point that if you know how to attack it, they just like can't win from there. Yeah. So if you know like how your particular deck is able to like combat like that specific deck, exactly. You can attack it and hit them. So we're going to transition to some of like. Some play which has been opening up, which is uh, in person gameplay. So, we want to talk about the four seasons in Bologna, uh, Italy. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Dave, we were there Bologna. recently. Yeah, we, we were there, me and Tony as well. Uh, yeah, Bologna, I believe. This is Bologna, but Bologna. <laughs> you gotta put that fancy little yeah, spin on it. <laughs> spin on it. But uh, they apparently had a 155 player tournament. 
Um, Lanes ended up taking it down. Uh, one thing to kind of notice is there were four decks with the Turbo Depths combo, but only two were lanes, two were depths. So definitely a lot of rug hate in this meta. And yeah, it's cool to see uh, in-person tournaments happening again. So let me ask you this, David. Did you know about this event before it happened? Because I'm kind of concerned why we didn't go. Yeah, I'm <laughs> very concerned that we didn't know this happened. Because I know there are certain places we could have flew into and we could have done our best to kind of make our way there. So as dirty Amer- so okay, so David works for the airlines. <laughs> they kept a secret from America. David works for the airlines, so as dirty Americans would we have to, if we went to go to Italy, would we go into quarantine when we get there or is that done? Honestly, uh, it depends what country you're flying to. I heard certain things uh, here and there. Okay. So it honestly kind of depends. Uh, to be safe and kind of be mindful of everyone, I would have just flown out three weeks in advance. What? I would have quarantined. For Not everyone would have afforded that yeah, luxury. <laughs> like three well, weeks. Well, I did get work. laid off for a long time. <laughs> I did get laid off for a long time. But so, like. <laughs> If we could have snuck our way in there, yeah, definitely. So I, I've traveled with David a bit, and like, I feel like David's like, all right, so we need to get to Italy. So first, we're gonna fly to the Dominican Republic. We're gonna hang out there for two days, and then Wednesday night, we're gonna fly up to Minnesota, back into the states, and then we're gonna go up to Germany, and then Japan, and then from Japan, we're gonna come to Italy. It will be good. It will be good. All right. All right. You can take a raft from North Africa to the Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were, we were on the Sierra, the Savannah for a long time. We were good. I um, heard you can fly into Serbia, so Jesus. that's pretty close. Just take a month off work. But you may think I'm lying when I say that, but I've actually flown with David. We, we got to Phoenix Sky Harbor, uh, I think early in the morning. We flew up to Flagstaff. Yeah. We, what? We got off the plane. We went back through security. We got back on the same plane. Flew back down to Sky Harbor. Didn't we not even have time for a beer? We did not. Yeah, it was like instant boarding. So like, yeah, we we flew up to Flagstaff, got board a deep deplaned, got back on the same plane, <laughs> flew back down to Phoenix. Wait, wait, wait. Same seats? Did you guys get the same seats? Uh, we were in like pretty sweet spots. Uh, yeah, great, great. Just like, and then then flew off to London. Yeah. Wait, why did you get on the same plane? Was it part of like getting the miles or something? It was kind of getting ahead, like on the list. Uh, if your journey kind of starts beforehand in a different city, you're kind of higher on a list for standby. So, so we kind of did a little tricks here and there. It sounds <laughs> like an adventure. It sounds great. Or I've heard yeah. stories about like driving up to Tucson late at night and then flying down to Phoenix oh, and yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you can fly only wherever there's an open seat, you can't fly you on a full flight, you fly where you can. Oh my god, oh. It's, a, it's adventure mode. You should be filming this shit, guys. Like, this is great. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I remember, so like, I think our first, one of our first big trips, Sydney, was we went to GP Seattle, and I think that was one of the first trips, this was like probably like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, we met up with David, and we, we get to the, we land, we get to the airport, we see David, he's got like his like little roll-up Sleeping bag, uh, Mar- wait, 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 wait. Marlboro backpack. Yeah, you're not, you're on the set on this. We show up. He's got his backpack and a rolled up Marlboro sleeping bag. He's like, I can sleep wherever. I'm like, where did you get this? <laughs> well, I, I got it for free in some like raffle or some like coupon thing. And I'm like, this guy's a traveler. This guy knows how to fucking 
yeah. go go around the world and see different things. Yeah. So uh, no, yeah, like we traveled with. <laughs> that's what David entered our lives, and like it's been a trip ever since then. But uh, yeah, so uh, this tournament blown out. Lands took it down, beating Bridgevine in the finals, which uh, I'm not surprised. Not bad. Lands has so many answers for decks like this. You know, graveyard hate, uh, tabernacle effects. Um, but yeah, this like this top eight is like super aggressive against Rug Delver. Like Rug Delver does not stand a chance here. No. What's Grasping Dunes again? Like, I've never heard of that card like vaguely. Grasping Dunes. That's not typical, right? I did not see that. That at might all. be in. So. Oh, it's an Omnicat card. Put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature. Interesting. That's actually pretty good. So, what is that? So, that is main board. And again, like, so this is Italy. So, like, we've, you know, historically we've seen like the Japanese players have interesting bills, right? I've never seen this in Lance. Kill a one mana creature. No, oh, you well, well, if you're, they have exploration, you can kill a two mana or uh, whatever, an X2. Yeah, Lance is always playing exploration, but. So that, that you can kill Delvers. You can kill a lot of things with this. Yeah. I mean, it also shuts down Dreadhorde, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It makes it a yeah. zero, too. Jesus, can't flash back anything. Because I think Dreadhorde, Dreadhorde is just a fucking monster of a card. Yeah. Still. It really is. So it, sh- it shuts down that. Yeah, I mean. I mean, even like it's great because you can just always recur it. Yeah, I do like that we see uh, a blue white mentor list as well. How do you like that? that? Do you like the American mentor? It's blue white red. Yeah, so there is a little splash of red. There's a little fire there going. <laughs> so it's uh, been unexpectedly absent. Oh wow! So this is like this is this is, <laughs> this is spicy actually. It's miracles. Four so, I mean, mentor. It's got three counterbalance. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's got Mistress Bobbles, Teferi Time Raveler, Jason Mindscope, Brainstorm. The one thing I'm interested in is this unexpected absence. <laughs> oh, that card, like, I hate that card. It's so like good against depths. What is that? Two white put depths on top. Uh, Maryland's on top. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> I hate this card. I've never seen it. <laughs> I think it's like normally, like, I think it's like played in Commander, but like, yeah, like it's. Also seen playing like Miracles List in the past because like you can just tuck tuck a permanent. It's so good against a token. Yeah, I'll pay two white, get the fuck out of here, yeah. and, <laughs> and you don't gain twenty life. Unexpected. It's his speed. Just make it twenty twenty twenty. All right, let's let it disappear. So yeah, this is actually a very interesting topic, right? So like it's four land baits combo decks, or I guess lands is a very combo. So you have two lands, yeah. two dark depths. You have bridge vine, you have two bridge vine decks, and then you have two miracles decks. It's a very fair top eight if you consider uh, Hogak and Death. Fair, I guess. I would yeah. say they're like chaotic good combo, yeah. like pseudo chaotic fair. <laughs> no, that's fucking storm and chest. No, man, you, oh, you got the skulls, <laughs> and then you got the forest. <laughs> got like Golgari rot all over that shit. Right. That's bad. Wow, this is, very, this is a very weird top eight. Two lands, two bridge vine, two depths, two miracles. <laughs> of 155 players. Man. That would have been a fun play. God. That would have been. It did, also, to visit Italy, well, I can't wait till we get actually travel and actually yeah. play and play. I miss big tournaments. Yeah. Most oh, people yeah. living their Speaking lives. Speaking of big tournaments, do you think the 100K is going to happen? I hope, because I'm. I have bought my ticket and I'm Are we all signed up or did you, were you able to sign up Tony? No. <laughs> you find an opening let Tony know. Yeah. There, might, there might be a wait list but I know so like David, myself and Sydney and then quite a few of yeah. the easy players got into it. 
And so for those of you who don't know, it's a 100K tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was $200 entry, I believe. I forgot about the $200. Yeah, right. Yeah, we yeah. paid that, like, in April. Yeah. <laughs> we paid that a while ago. Um, but, yeah, I think Jeremy Aronson or whatever. What was his name? I know it's one of the TOs for Tales, Tales of Adventures yeah. or whatever. I know his name. No, is no, he has his own shop. He has yeah. a different shop, right? Yeah. So he, when they kind of at the beginning of 2020, when they like kind of in, suggested that Legacy would not have GPS anymore, he kind of took up the mantle of running big Legacy events. He had the 20k that got canceled, the 40k that got canceled, and then we, we yeah. still have the 100k that we were hopeful for in April. So no, yeah, Jerry, if you're listening, keep it going on. It, it should be fine by then. In April next year, 2021. Yeah, that's yeah. in like seven months. Yeah, we're good. Like. And we're in a smaller town. It's not like big. Where are your fucking masks, people? Yeah. And they fire capacity, too. Because, like, us legacy hardcore players, like, we're willing to travel out for it. Yeah. It's like our Coachella. It's Coachella. I'll have my Marlboro bag rolled up to go sleep wherever. (laughs) Sleep wherever you need to. I'm fucking ready for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Anything interesting on... I don't think there's two... Yeah, so there's Once Upon a Time in the Bridgevine deck, so... Yeah, Once Upon a Time is really kind of like making its place in Legacy. Um, the lands decks. I'm curious if the other lands list is playing. Gra- it is playing Grasping Dunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Must be an Italian thing. It is interesting. I and they're playing Elvish Reclaimer. These guys might be on the same 75. Um, I think they are. So two choke experimental fr- experimental frenzy. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're on the same exact list. <laughs> Nice. Um, Mentor looked fine. Miracles, nothing too crazy. Didn't Experimental uh, Frenzy get banned in Standard? No. Yeah. That's the... Isn't that the coffee card? No, it's you um, pay three colors to red and they get an exile top card. Yeah, it's the coffee card. What's, oh, what's okay. coffee? The flavor test is... It, it uh, references coffee. Turns out That's coffee very cool. <laughs> weird... What? I don't know what the text said. I've never read the Aunt of Invention? What is it? What is the flavor text said, please? Uh, it's so fucking tiny. <laughs> well, you, you could refer to it as One a, second. a coffee card. I well, because the... <laughs> it definitely says coffee, right? I mean, I've never heard of that. Turns out coffee is the weird ant of invention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All I, I like it. There it's coffee and magic no, together. I mean, I'm trying to think of like the art with the flavor text. Is that just a big like coffee brew like yeah. bucket thing? Yeah. I <laughs> see it as they're all just drinking coffee and getting fucking crazy. I don't know. I think like it should have been booze. Like, whiskey should have been the inventor of like invention. But no, like so like booze is different. Like booze is like yeah. oh, but like coffee gets you all amped up. Like oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna teach you this. You know. I mean, I would have loved if like the the art had like a goblin. Like drinking coffee and him just like his head exploding or him just like steam coming out. He's about to run. I <laughs> forgot that uh, Sydney gets very like detailed in his. Oh, uh, dude, the flavor text <laughs> and the art—it just—it it just makes like Magic such a wonderful game. Yeah, no, I agree. That's what makes like it, it draws in like a certain population on top of like people that like the mechanics and the combos and everything like that. But like the fl- flavor text and art is like one of the big draws of Magic. What's your favorite flavor text and your favorite art? Oh, so the flavor text is is no rod. Okay, okay. Oh, I, I think I, I think I know that one, but we'll just pull it up to. Yeah, it, it, it does nothing. Exactly, it does nothing. It just like stops artifacts. Or like uh, I think it was 
part of the uh, Wedlight crew. Yeah, Gerard talking to Hannah, but it doesn't do anything. No, it does nothing. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, and then the favorite art for me, like we talked about in the previous cast, is that the newest uh, Force of Will... Uh, uh, brainstorm. Oh, Brainstorm. The newest Brainstorm with the three like artifact golems coming to life with each drop. Yeah, he's, if you didn't listen to the last cast, he talked for 20 minutes about the new Brainstorm. Yeah. <laughs> and all the nuances and like uh, the interpretation of it all. It, it paid, yeah, it paid homage to the Ancestor Recall of drawing three of rain coming down like you're brainstorming. It is a storm of thoughts bringing life into these three artifact golems that are going to be your new three soldiers that you're going to cast into your battlefield to defeat your opponent. You're fucking deep, yeah. yeah. That's cool. It goes that deep for well, for me at least. Like for other people, people just like I like the the, the rain and a storm, like all literal. I'm like, all right, guys, I guess. Yeah, isn't that dope? <laughs> Get to the point. I have other things to think about. I drew three cards. All right, so this wasn't on the docket, but since we've already brought it up, Tony, what is your favorite uh, flavor text and art if you have one? Flavor text is probably Vesuva. Uh, Vesuva, the the land. Yeah. You, uh, top of your head, you know it? It is everywhere you've ever been. Yes, it reminds me of MasterCard. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fitting and, like, it's, like, mysterious, too. It is every Yeah, because it copies any... I love it. I love it. It's very <laughs> fitting flavor. Like, that is one thing. Like, wizards might suck at a lot of stuff, but they get the flavor text just on point. All right. Yeah. I got yeah. to see the image, though. What, what does the image look like? How do I zoom, guys? Yeah, I got you. Oh, the art's like, yeah, the art's interesting. It's like not. It's very abstract in a way. Like it's like, what is it? I don't know. Yeah. But maybe it's just like a mess. No, it, it's configured so, so, something. So here's yeah. the thing. You had you hit it right there. It is an open ocean with a dump and some obscure metal coming out of it. But in the fo- or in the background, you have these cities popping out. So this is the land that it could be. It could be anything that you've visited before. You've been there, yeah, so you've been there. So you, as, as somebody who has like created architecture, land, or landscape, you can see what it's going to become. Yeah. And, but it's something you've been to. Yeah. I like okay. land I like, decks. I like to travel. It's great. No, it's, it's good. good. Yeah. Love that flavor text. So favorite art. Do you have yeah. favorite art? Uh, yeah, I like. Uh, I think it's like Yagmus, like Cruel Bargain or something. Hmm. Uh, it, I, and it was like Noah Bradley drew it. Oh, we oh, uh, controversy. Watch that, guys. Well, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Oh, what is it called? Yagmus something. Bargain? That looks cool. Uh, no? I, I can tell you. It's definitely Yagmus. Do you know what it does? Yagmus. Uh, it was pretty bad. It was like a historic <laughs> card. Vile offering? Yeah, Vile offering. Oh, that, looks, just, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's just like lore-wise. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really sick. That's from uh, so Dominaria. Yeah, I guess it's just like very lore-based. Very like, ominous and uh, yeah. it's like depressing. I feel like I'm going to die. For me, that's it reminds sweet. me a lot of Alien and the uh, original artist for the, the guy that created H.R. Geiger? Yes, that guy. It's something you would see in your nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is very iconic, but I, the, the, the car doesn't do anything. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, a swamp. Okay. It's the only picture of Yagmoth is like his like crazy demon form too. Yeah. All right, David. So uh, flavor text is Lorwyn Ponder. What a ponder? Okay, Lorwyn. Yeah, uh, we see the same world but through a different lens, or we yeah. say we see the same sky as you just through a different lens. 
Okay. I, I like that quote. I like it. But what, I, what, what does it mean to you? Like, why, why do you like it? I mean, like, we still both have, like, the same vision, but, like, I see a different way of getting there. It's a matter of perspective. Uh, yeah, it's a perspective thing. And, like, I don't know. I like uh, I like the saying of it. Yeah, and it, it connects with the art, right? Because, like, you as, like, so, like, these are merfolk talking, right? Yeah. They see the same sky, but they're seeing it through the lens of, like, underneath the water and stuff. So, so exactly. if, if we're going to talk about, like, because I know Magic, or Wizards of the Coast, and then Hasbro has D&D, I can see if you were playing D&D and you were in the Merfolk underwater world, them, like, speaking the same to you to try to make you understand their plight that you might not understand. It's just, like, it's the same world, it's just a different lens. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you're polluting our world, and we just need, and that's why we're fighting you. <laughs> I, this is like a story reason. This is why magic. So you should big. write flavor text. <laughs> uh, do my favorite art. Uh, I think I'm just gonna go with like my like original. I really love the original Doomsday art. Uh, the five different angels coming out and like you see like uh, ghost phantom faces between each angel, kind of like in agony and like disappearing. Uh, I just really like the art. There's an angel in that? Those are so angels. there's like five separate angels praying around a point, and then you have five different faces screaming, kind of and disappearing then, into this center point. Seems like it's like portraying something big. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and so since Sydney, who takes it literal, those five <laughs> angels are the five cards. Yeah, those would be the five cards. That's what that's <laughs> I mean. Like, I never noticed the five and them like creating a pact. Yeah. And summoning this spell. They're summoning Doomsday. Yeah, that was yeah, actually yeah. a Fasses Oracle. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit. That's a little bit. That's the womb of Fasses Oracle in the center. No, like it is a powerful map. Like when you like describe it as that, like I never really gave it that much credence and like respect. But when yeah, you, like pointed out, it is great art from a distance. I honestly, first time looked at it, just like, oh, that's a cool kind of like star looking art. But like once I like took the time to appreciate it, yeah, it became my favorite art. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. I yeah. just wish like sometimes we could be able to just like focus in on the art. Yeah, yeah, actually, what the car like where it relates to, and then the flavor text just makes it so so tasty. The little tiny art box really doesn't do it justice. No, but it, it's it's nice to have, and it's like cool to be able to like reference it. Oh, yeah. What's what's your favorite flavor text SP? My so I don't know so I love flavor text and there's a lot of really cool flavor text so like uh, the one one that I really do like is back to basics. Huh. I've never noticed that flavor text. So I oh. like disregard that card when I see it. No, I like it. <laughs> so, I always skew. <laughs> I mean, Urza's just like that. So block is a great block. Back to basics reads: A ruler wears a crown while the rest of us wear hats. But which would you rather have when it's raining? And I really like it, right? Because like the crown is open, so the the ruler is getting rained on, and then the oh, people are getting. See, I never would have thought of that. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, like a crown. Yeah, a crown does not protect you. Yeah. So I really like that, right? Because like the ruler is like uh, extravagant and fancy, mm-hmm. whereas us peons are the mountains and the swamps and the islands that aren't impacted by the basic non duels, right? Non duels. Kind of like a wealthy person with like their gold, but if they're like stranded on an island, like yeah. it's like what's their metal? When you, when you go back to basics, those people are the ones that are fucked. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really like that. Uh, in terms of art, I don't know. I like a lot of the art. Um, I like Lorwyn Thoughtseize. I like Abrupt Decay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I like 
a lot of the old cards are like really cool. Like Juzam is a great card, so it, it's tough to like pin down. Like I wish Dark Depths art wasn't so shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so vague and cloudy. You don't like the old art? I think the old Dark Depths is awesome. I mean, I like it better than the new one, but like it's not like a very detailed picture. Like, well, it's almost you don't serious, really though. get a chance to see the Merit Age. This is twenty twenty yeah. that's gonna kill you. But it's like you right? don't like. It is, but it's flavorful, yeah. right? Because it, it, yeah. he's under the ice, so it's you lurking. don't get a clear view of him. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, a looming beast that you have no clear idea until it pops up. And you're like, holy shit! And I'm it's fucked. too late. Nah, I'm <laughs> screwed right here. All right, so uh, moving on, we are. I think I feel like we just go so long. I think these guys just like <laughs> drinking my whiskey, so they're just hanging out and talking. And just, you know, um, <laughs> so the next, so we have two more topics, I think, uh, and I feel like the, the last topic is gonna go forever. But I want to talk about it though. Real quick, uh, for those of you that play Bodo, the new season just dropped, and Bryant Cook, uh, resident test player of just ladies, he just fucking test master. <laughs> Uh, last weekend, I think he took down the PTQ, the Legacy PTQ, yeah. and then the next day he's like, you know, that's not enough, and won the challenge. Damn. Uh, so I think he went X2 on the weekend. Uh, the one thing, like, he built his deck, like, to kill Delver with the four carpets similar to Tony. Played zero Delver decks in, in, in his entire tournament <laughs> for that weekend. Uh, but he put out on the Leaving Legacy page the Epic Storm Challenge. And basically what it is, it's a uh, free contest, free to enter. Um, and essentially, who uh, I think it's by the end of this season, the player who has the most 5-0s with Tess wins, you know, foil Mox Opals, foil Japanese cons, polluted deltas, right? Like, so it's kind of like a call to arms, like, hey, like all you Tess players, like, let's see what you got. Yeah. Who's going to throw it down, right? So, with that said, Deafening Silence, uh, Mind Break Chat. All the All these cards are at a premium right now. But, <laughs> no, I think that's really cool that like people are doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the overseers of the decks are like making these challenges. Um, yeah, I, I like it. It's a cool way to get out there. Uh, I wonder how big of a target it'll paint on the deck. Test, yeah. Yeah, maybe there will be an uptick in the hate from it, but... It seems like a very resilient deck, so it's I think really good, yeah. it's going to welcome the hate and good luck beating it. I'm curious to see how much of an impact this challenge, if any, has on like the meta share of yeah. the test decks, right? Yeah. Like, How can this impact the legacy meta online by having more people playing test to try and win this, right? Exactly. Really yeah, cool. And all I think is just Tony creating... 12 post challenge. Yeah, well, we'll not be we bring the 12 you. post <laughs> challenge. We can bring 12 posts back to <laughs> tier 1, 1.5, or 2, and like get people to fall in love with that deck. Other people try. Wait, are you saying 12 posts isn't tier 1? <laughs> what I'm saying is that like it is an underrated deck that can create powerful results. Do you, think, just, do you think it's tier 1? No. <laughs> do you think it's tier 2? <laughs> tier 2? If I'm playing, it's probably zero. Oh! <laughs> the challenge has been thrown. With Tony as the pilot, it's tier zero. I think we do good with it too. I think someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Who like thinks like five turns ahead? Yeah. And doesn't like get too scared if someone plays an Oko. Like, oh, we got we got answers, guys. Just, let's just let's just find them. Yeah. Like spider time, that like their clock is very slow. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm not sure how we are on time. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're running kind of long today. Yeah. Uh, 
So we're going to skip the one thing I was going to talk about. We were going to talk to David. We maybe we talk about it next time about Tess versus yeah. Ant. Yeah, I'm haven't been playing Ant too much. I do believe Tess is the better variant right yeah. now. Um, yeah, we'll see how the challenge plays out. I'm interested to see uh, how many Tess players come out of the woodworks. Yeah, it, it is crazy though. So like, exactly a year ago, this weekend, one year ago, Ant won GP Atlanta. Damn. And then not, I don't think, I mean, Veil of Summer was a card back then, but Tess has, you know, pushed Ant out as the premier Storm combo deck, so. Yeah. But what's that's like, like, what is making Tess, like, better than Ant at the moment? Uh, I think it has uh, multiple answers, like, it has a pulverize in the sideboard, so, sure, you don't run into it all the time, but you run into those chalices, and whatnot, and you, with Tess, you still kind of have an answer to everything. It just, and it's just a really quick deck. It kind of just pulls through. With Ant, sure, yeah, you're a good deck, but, like, that one veil of summer could just ruin your whole day. And so. then, like, so I know Tess is big on Wishclaw now. Yeah. And then they play Empty mm-hmm. sometimes. So. And the Empty is in the sideboard. I know, like, Tendrils is currently on the main board. But Burning Wish gets it, right? Yeah. Burning Wish makes everything accessible all the time. Sure. So it's just a good toolbox deck, I think, at the moment that could go either way, but it still has that very fast aspect. Would you say it's because Tess is a little more flexible than Ant? At the moment with the Burning Wishes, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. I think I see Ant as a more linear focused combo plan. Exactly. Whereas Tess has room to kind of pivot when need be, and I think that's where yeah. the meta's at right now, where you need to be able to adjust. Uh, Ant has like its big answers. I feel like like you'd have just like your Fluster Storm or a uh, Hercules Recall or something, but and then you just kill them. But Tess, I I feel like they just have more ways of doing that little storm and getting you know, some goblins and killing you the rest of the way. Yeah. So I guess for future for the next couple of weeks before we get the next cast going, play some more. Yeah, I'm gonna try. All right, and see like what the the biggest like changes are yeah. or differences. But I really want to get to this reserve list. I know there were some waves. Take this one. Waves like created by, and I think Tony found a big like laugh when I called him the librarian because I forgot what the guy's name was. Like the the what was the, what I, I I forgot again. The professor. Professor. The professor. I'm not gonna remember that. He's the librarian to me. He's like <laughs> he's he he created a YouTube video. Where he addressed uh, removing the reserve list and allowing duels to be reprinted to allow more legacy players into the fray. And so the question I have, and I guess to watch the video, I agree with the man. What do you guys think about that? Anybody want to take the, like the the forefront of this? Like who wants to? I said I, I agree with him. I think like he he did uh, posit some like accurate points that if they if Wizards does undo the reserve list and start reprinting duels. Alpha duels, beta duels will still hold their price. Reserve list duels will lose might be like twenty to thirty percent of their value, but to allow a lot more players into this format to revitalize the format would be a huge boom into legacy. So I, I agree with everything the professor says about like wanting to reprint things. But honestly, I think Wizards just never intends Constructed Magic to be affordable. Like, reserveless or not, they're just, like, always keeping cards valuable. Like, you see it with, like, the fetch lands, with, like, modern staples. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, like, it kind of makes the reserveless not as important, I feel like. 
Because it doesn't matter if it's on the reserve list or not, they'll just keep it expensive. Yeah, and we've seen that with what was that the, the newest like product that came Secret out? Secret layer. Secret yeah. layers. They have price pointed them to be almost equivalent to what the value is off reserve list. So like what we had the fetch lands that were on the uh, the secret layers. And that, then two fifty three hundred. Yeah, so it was like equivalent to them just buying them like outright. Yeah. Like in, a, like in a perfect world like I wish it was, it was all just free. And unless people are just gonna like copy each other and all play Rogue Delver or something like that. That's what they would yeah. be doing. That's what they would do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think people there's a lot of people and I think in this room there's four people, there's three or four maybe that don't necessarily want to play the best deck in the format. Um, and I'm just giving you shit. Like, I play, you, you you've always Delver, played, yeah. you've always played like, Delver deck. That's right? not so, the, like, the best format. So Red Devil, like, <laughs> I'm giving you shit. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like, a lot of people, like, like they, I think we've all played the best decks in the formats, right? But like, it's yeah. not our style. So like you find a deck or an archetype that you enjoy, and you play that, even if it's not the best deck. So I don't think people would pivot to the best deck if everything was affordable. I also don't think everything should be free, right? Yeah. One thing I do like about Magic is how like there are cards that are worth money. Like that's cool. Like you can you know have a fifty dollar card, but like when you have dual lands or like hundreds of dollars, like that sucks, right? And when it prevents people from being able to play, that really sucks. Yeah. Um, and I think like the ninety percent, ninety probably more than ninety percent of the reserve list is unplayable cards. Like a small portion of reserve list is actually playable. Definitely. So you know, and I think all of us have a pretty respectable collections in terms of like what we have I know like David you got alpha duels and shit but like I wouldn't mind if they got rid of reserve list like I think that'd be fine and like honestly like and I think you touched on that Sydney like if they just and I think the, the professor or the teacher as you call him the librarian the librarian even if they just <laughs> took the duels off reserve list it would make magic a much better place um, but again like I don't think wizards cares too much about that shit because, like, they don't make money off Legacy. No, secondary They make money off of Standard. They make money off of Arena, right? Like, Legacy players don't really keep the, the lights on for them. Like, it's not the the market they're looking for, so. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I would be all for them unbanning the, the duels. And, yeah, granted, revised duels might tank. David's Alpha tools would still, duels would still be fucking expensive. Probably. Because um, like, original edition stuff is just that. Original edition, it's going to be super rare. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to have more because I, I, I think it also breathes more life into Legacy. So we have, we get ten more years of Legacy play that we would have had if it didn't get you know removed. Or yeah, whatever. I agree with you that I think that like a lot like what I had done is that when I got back into Legacy in Theros block, I started seeing that as standard rotated those cards that I had invested in just lost ninety percent of the value when it rotated out, and then I went to modern and then I saw that. I, it was a toxic environment for me and that the legacy players were more welcoming and more friendly so then I went into legacy so I, I bought out of sold out of standard sold out of modern and went into legacy so I feel like the legacy community is more welcome to new players they are more forgiving and they're not like angle shooting you on every single little play they're just happy to have more players into that format if we get more players that used to play whatever standard historic draft commander modern popper all the different things that like magic provides i think it would be like a great boom for legacy yeah but at the cost of like me losing 20 percent or 30 percent of my value my reserved list like duels i'm okay with that yeah 
Um, and you touched on something. I think community is big, right? Like I think mm-hmm. the legacy community is like a very healthy community. And I think that's something that you're going to get of people that are willing to spend thousands of dollars to build yeah. a deck where they get like maybe two or three big tournament, tournaments a year across the world, right? True. Whereas, you know, because like I think like it, it's a testament to like what type of player that is because in comparison you have the standard grinders who grind every PTQ, they're trying to play in every GP, they move from deck to deck to deck to deck. Their goal is to win, right? Yeah. At all costs. Whereas like a legacy player, like we found our style, we found the decks we like to play. Like look at like knowing you guys, like David, as long as I've known you, you've played Dark Ritual decks. Yeah. <laughs> and that is all you I fucking play. Commune with the Dark Lord. Yeah. <laughs> One black equals three black. It's just simple, simple math, right? It's simple math. So like, yeah, as long as yeah. I've known David, he's played Dark Ritual decks. Yeah. Tony, you've always played Cloud Post with a small blip of Reanimator, right? Like you've played yeah. your Cellar decks. In Sydney, you've always played a lot of Fair Delver decks. Yeah, yeah. Tempo so like, based decks. And like, yeah. I think that's what Legacy is. Like, we love magic. But we love a certain type of magic where we get to play mm-hmm. our decks and outside of 2019 and 2020 kind of fucking it with like War of the Spark and all these overpowered cards, our format has been stable for a very long time. And I think that's it. Like people love to play, like we have to have you know, go out and have beers, play some legacy, and that's it, right? We're not like trying to like fucking pay the bills by winning magic tournaments. Correct. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And I will say, like, as like a person that's been like solely buying into like magic over the course of like my life through different steps, it's like like you like the tiers like of like playing in formats like they seem impossible at points but like once you get to the next step like it's very doable like maybe like you get a high school job and then you can save up for like a modern deck like you get your real world career and you can save up for a legacy deck yeah i feel like those tiers like never really change and it's like a it's a cool accomplishment right like building your deck i remember when i first started getting the legacy i was like holy fuck like this i cannot climb this mountain this is like so but like, and then like, if you look at it a few years later, it's like, wow, like you can play like so many different decks, right? It's just like step by step, right? Yeah. And if they did get rid of reserve list, like more people be able to play other decks, you know? So. Yeah. And like uh-huh. hitching back off of like Tony's thought, like Magic, yeah, get into it playing draft or standard when you're in like high school, middle school. Don't commit your life to it, and then you can like transition to older formats where you can get into like. College is modern, and then when you become a working professional, go into Legacy so you can play with working professionals who are playing the game as just a way to, as a hobby, yeah. as a, and as a collector, and respect and like love the art and the flavor text and the extra cards themselves and not have to be like angle grinding shooting. Because when you play a standard draft or modern, there's a lot of competitiveness that is... Unhealthy. T- for me, it's a distasteful. Like, it just becomes, like, you're not making this game fun. You're just trying to win, like, $15 at your FNM <laughs> so then you can trade into a, a, a shock land. Woo. Yeah. yeah Spend five bags. hours to make $15. Like, that's not, like, like as a working professional, you're, you're going to make way more than that if you if you divided that time into, like, your actual, like, your profession. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, just understand that, like, magic is a lifelong thing that you can actually, like, a lifelong hobby that you can actually commit to that has like this open, this door that can open into like friendships, travel, gameplay, and challenging like uh, interactions where it, it's not going to be like live and die of because you lost the, the, the last Grand Prix trial. I don't even, they, they don't play Grand Prix trials, right? What, is, what are they called now? 
Uh, last oh. Chance Trials. Yeah, Last Chance Trials. Oh, that shit's closed right now. Yeah, yeah but like, when it's all, it's all, it's all, when like everybody wanted to become an M- uh, MTG Pro. I know, oh my god. But, and then even then, like, it, it, like Tony, you can stream, and then you can interact with your online, like, stream, like, uh, your online uh, followers, audience. That, those are like friendships that can, like, last a lifetime and they can enrich your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said, Sydney. Oh my god. Right. No, well said. So yeah, uh, so like if we if if abolishing the reserve list like creates more like lifelong magic players, like yeah, let's let this game keep going. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I lose whatever a couple hundred bucks on like a reserve list bulk or underground C, I'm okay with that. Doesn't yeah right? It's not like it's an like and that's the other thing. Like I don't think we any of us see it as like an investment. No, I'm gonna buy this volcanic yeah, island today. Taco <laughs> Rudy might be jumping in and like jumping in. Uh, yeah, it's like a fucking rated nine level yeah. cards. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, graded cards are dumb. Like, <laughs> but like, if the way you see it, like, it's like we've all spent whatever we did on our collections and our decks, and like we've gotten so much value and entertainment out of it. So we've already extracted a ton of like value from it in True. fun ex- experiences, tournaments, whatever. Right, like. Yeah, see the world yeah. play magic. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, life is short. It's not about the, the cost of cardboard. You yeah, know, the fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, one day you'll find your David with a marble like sleeping bag, and he'll <laughs> sleep in the hallway <laughs> of your hotel room, and then like bring like great memories to like your exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, do we have anything else we want to touch on today, guys? I think we're good. We went quite over time. It was nice, though. We had Tony here. Oh, yeah. We had our first guest. Thank you, Tony, for showing up. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, uh, we will see you guys in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks from now, Threshold. All right. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you for joining. (laughs)